So in uh, the city of Rome, uh, if you've ever visited it, you may have come across the Colosseum. And the Colosseum, even to this day, is still a very, very impressive building stroke ruin. Uh, it had, it was originally faced off by travertine marble, multiple levels, then the, the interior of it, the, the floor was a, a, actually a, a timber floor, which they, from which they could, there was a series of tunnels and net, a network of tunnels underneath, and they could let out various wild beasts and that for everything going on in the Colosseum, uh, for all of the tragic things, all the, the games as they called them, that went on. But what was interesting was, I got a tour, I had a tour of the Colosseum, and uh, they spoke about the glory days. So, as you know, as I said, people flooding from all around uh, Italy and indeed the Roman Empire uh, to these games. But then, after the collapse of the Roman Empire in the fourth century, uh, it began to fall apart. Literally, it began to fall apart. Not only did it begin to fall apart, but the locals started using the Colosseum as their own kind of local quarry. You know, so if you want a bit of marble for your fireplace, you go down to the Colosseum and just take it, take it. Like. Now maybe we did similar things with, with Norman castles here in Ireland as well, you know, just a castle would fall down, we'd take off bits of it and build a wall or a house. Uh, but it's, it's interesting, now in hindsight, they had no idea what an amazing building this was, what a, what a treasure this was, what a, a tourist attraction it would be in the future. They had no idea really, I suppose, the, 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 the uniqueness of that kind of a building, uh, the treasure that it was. It's so easy for us as Catholics to take our eyes off the importance of the Eucharist. Our readings today are about uh, the serpent being raised up and the Lord being raised up. Right? So this is the, the, the kind of the, the parallel. So we have the freed uh, people of Israel in the desert, and yet again they complain to God. Yet again, they start grumbling against Moses and against Aaron. Yet again, they do not turn to God in their time of need, but they just complain. It's awful. They did this all throughout Exodus, and now we're in so Leviticus Numbers. We're now in the book of Numbers. Same kind of idea. So keep in mind, this is uh, Numbers 21. Uh, they grumbled against God and against Moses back in, in Numbers 11, where they said, um, and this rabble, they began to crave other food. By the way, that other food is what? Other than what? Other than the daily miracle of manna. The daily miracle of manna. And this, this entirely unique kind of a substance that would, you know, would appear on the ground in the morning and you could, you could harvest it and it would last for a day. Except on the day before the Sabbath day. Then it would last for two days. I mean, <laughs> that's, like, it's such a miracle. Like, it would last for two days the day before the Sabbath, so you didn't have to work on the Sabbath. Like, it was just incredible stuff. And it tasted nice, apparently. I, uh, coriander, I guess, they say. That's, uh, so it tasted fine. Sweet. Um, sounded good. Sounded like honey nut loops or something for breakfast, like, uh, all day. I mean, it just it sounds fantastic. But in Numbers 11, so 10 chapters before this, they begin to complain and wail, and they said, if we only had meat to eat. Remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost? At no cost. Sorry, lads, you were slaves. That was the cost. The cost was your freedom. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Like, it's horrific 
to phrase it like that. We never see anything but this miraculous substance that God provides for us in the desert for free out of pure generosity, pure selflessness, because he loves us. He led us out of slavery. And all we do is grumble against him. I, just, I can't help but think of, of, of this when, when uh, pastoral plans are proposed or, or youth ministries proposed or, or and anything as regards like the, the renewal of the church, whatever the degree, uh, at a parish level, diocesan level, national level, international, whatever is being proposed, if the Eucharist isn't central, if it's not at the center, we have completely missed the point. We have completely missed the point. And if, if we start using terms or expressions like, you know, we'll, we'll discover our new paths and new ways, will, 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 will we now? What kind of new paths and what kind of new ways, as opposed to using, <coughs> obeying what God has given? You know, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in memory of me. Or like, have we come up with a better method of prayer than, than, than the rosary? You know, our lady asks for it to avert wars. So are we going to sit down with Our Lady and say, thank you, Our Lady, for your advice there? We're going to come up with new avenues and ways and modes of self-discovery. And, like, it's just rubbish. Sorry, it's just rubbish. Uh, the Lord is, is, is so clear here that, that unless we come to him, unless we're drawn back to him, then, then what we have is, is what? What we have is actually death. What we have is, is division. What we have is hunger. <laughs> unless we come to him. It's, it is an interesting idea or an interesting uh, reading here that they grumble against God and what happens? God sends fiery serpents to the people. Their bite brought death. So what, what are we saying here? We're saying that if we reject this, this manna, this daily bread, right, and just grumble against God, complain against him, rebel against him, what does that bring? That brings death. That's the point. You know, it does not bring life or freedom or anything to, to rebel against God and rebel against his providence. It just doesn't work. Never has. Okay, people came to Moses finally. So after then they've experienced the cross, after they've experienced death, after they've experienced what it's like to be without God, to be without his providence, if you will, what happens? Well, they, they come back. Why, why, do we, why, why do we have to learn that way? Why do we have to learn the hard way? Why do we have to learn what it's like to be without God and fall into addiction and fall into all of our problems and then discover in, our, in the depths of our misery, Lord, I need you? Why, why is it so hard for God to bless us with good things and us to come back and thank him immediately? Why is it so hard for us to be, to be grateful and to see in the gifts, the, the everyday gifts, the giver, the gift giver? Why is it that we have to wait until fiery serpents start attacking us? Why is it that we have to wait until there's a threat of war before we start coming back to God? Why? Why can't we recognize and just thank God uh, as, uh, and recognize him as, as, as our loving Father, come back to him as he is? It is interesting, though, that Moses then is asked by God to make a fiery serpent and put it on a standard. Anyone who is bitten and looks at it shall live. A couple of points there. God firstly commands that a statue be made. So just for our brothers who might not agree with statues and that in churches, God here is clearly asking for a, a statue to be made. But it's not that looking at the serpent, it's not, it's not that the, the bronze serpent itself heals you. Of course it doesn't. All healing comes from God, just like us. That's what we believe as, as, as Catholics, that the statues themselves, they're mortar, they're, they're plastic, but they remind us of heavenly realities. God can transmit a grace through them if he wishes, if he wishes. Anyone who is bitten and looks at it shall live. 
So the fiery serpent, the snake, is a prefiguration of Jesus, the snake. You think that's the snake surely is the, 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 the symbol of, <coughs> of evil, of the devil even. Why, why a snake? Why not put like, you know, a, a lamb on, on, a, on a standard and, and, and put that up? Why, why a snake? Well, St. Paul says like, Jesus made himself into sin. Jesus became sin. He who was sinless became sin for our sake. He became sin. It's again, it's a kind of an awful expression when you think about it. Jesus who was like unsullied by sin himself, untarnished by sin, takes upon himself all the sin of the world and becomes, becomes sin, even though, as I say, he himself never sinned, in order to atone for it with the Father. Today we ask for a renewed love for the Eucharist. Let us, let us never forget this, this amazing treasure and the, the power, the immense power of the Eucharist to heal, to save, to bring light and hope into hearts that are, that are darkened. Let us never forget the centrality that the Eucharist must have in our in our lives, in our church, in any renewal plan. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. Without that, there, just, there isn't Christian life. There isn't life. So the Eucharist must be placed at the centre. Let us not wait until a fiery serpents come our way or the threat of war or pestilence, whatever it may be. Let us not wait for them to come back to the Lord. Let us come back to him now. O oh Lord, listen to my prayer. And let my cry for help reach you. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you all for joining us on YouTube or on Paving the Way Home or on Spotify, wherever you've listened to these homilies. Thank you so much for being part of our mission and for continuing to support our mission. It was a great gift that during lockdown uh, we could branch out or broaden uh, our, our outreach so much uh, through technology. So it was, that's been a wonderful privilege and honour. Uh, I'd ask two things, if I may. <clears throat> One, that we'd really appreciate your prayers for our mission. So we have our young people here with us this year. And then there are also, there's a youth ministry, family ministry, and hopefully in the near future, men's ministry, which we hope to engage in. So we'll ask for your prayers for uh, all of those outreaches. And if you feel that the Lord is calling you to support us also financially, uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, running a place like this is, is not cheap, and uh, we do need uh, benefactors' help to, to keep the show on the road and to keep our doors open and to keep this place of formation uh, alive for uh, the young people that come to us. We have opened our applications for next year as well. So if you know anybody who might like to apply, they can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie. And also, if you'd like to make any donations, you can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie, or send us an email if you'd like to uh, arrange some other form of donation. But we would be greatly, greatly appreciative of any support that you can give us uh, through your prayer and through your financial support. All right. So God bless, and we're praying for you here in Holy Family.